Kevin Durant opens up about his time at OKC and Golden State, and of course, he's facing some blowback. And the Washington Wizards say they aren't trading Bradley Beal. Good move or bad move? For real this time, we're not. And for real, Ennis Cantor is a former WWE champion. We'll talk about it all coming up here. It's the Wednesday Locked on NBA. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Wednesday, middle of your week, hump day, and we're here to get you over it. We're your usual Wednesday hosts. I am John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for MassLive.com, and I'm co-host of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. And you can find me on Twitter at Nola Jake. So much to get to here, even in the middle. It's, it's September in middle of September, the dead period, but we've actually got a bunch to talk about, thanks in part to Kevin Durant, who uh, gave a big interview with the Wall Street Journal, and most notably had a couple things to say about his time in Golden State and his time in Oklahoma City. So let's start with his time in Oklahoma City, where he expressed his, uh, I guess we'll call it dismay, at how he was treated on his way out, that he said uh, to the Wall Street Journal that people basically uh, he didn't he didn't like the the way he was portrayed he didn't like people coming to his house they were spray painting around uh his 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 house which is terrible and then most notably the someone taking a video which i never saw but a video of someone like firing bullets into a uh, uh, one of his jerseys which is disgusting but he now has fully separated from Oklahoma City. He said, I eventually wanted to come back to that city and be part of that community and organization, but I don't trust nobody there. Uh, the shit must have been fake, what they were, what they was doing. The, the organization, the GM, I ain't talked to none of those people, even had a nice exchange with those people since I left. So as the, the stuff that I laid out that was particularly bad, I think is understandable, Jake, but... Um, what do you think about Durant taking all of that and applying it across the board and now saying, like, that's it, I'm done with Oklahoma City? You know, honestly, I don't have a problem with it. You know, he's a human being. He's kind of just allowed to act however he wants. You know, some people were kind of, however, towards you, you don't have to take it. And certainly firing the bullets into his jersey is a particularly disgusting act. It sounded like just no one in the organization after he left even wanted to be remotely friendly to him being burned a little bit. And it is on them to be a little bit maybe more professional than maybe they were acting even kind of in the aftermath of everything. So, you know, it's a shame to kind of see a relationship like that between a player and a city kind of uh, destroyed. But overall, like, yeah, don't don't go and deal with that anymore. And, you know, it's just kind of one of those situations. Sometimes you have things where it's just disappointing all around. And this is just kind of one of them. Yeah, I think it needs to be said. First of all, this is a long piece in the Wall Street Journal. If you have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal, you should read the whole thing. We are, we're obviously pulling things out and there, you lose some context here. So I want to be clear that you should go read the whole thing. And the things that were cited by Durant in this piece, you know, someone shooting a jury, like that's disgusting. Just get the, that is something that the, the, the person involved or people who agree with that sort of thing, that's not harmless. It's stupid. It's childish. Like, 
it, bro, I get the the burning of a jersey, like whatever. Who cares? You know, it, it's not that big of a deal. But this has some other connotations to it that I think kind of set it yeah. differently from that. And that's like, like you're saying. That's why we have an issue with this, and we call it particularly bad. And I think and I've said this before on the podcast. My stance is that athletes don't really owe the city much beyond the contractual obligation. Like when you're there, you, you play hard, you try to fit in with your teammates. Uh, by all accounts, Kevin Durant was a good teammate. He, he did a lot of good things. He donated when the, there were the tornadoes that went through Oklahoma city. He, he was a big part of that community and everybody seemed to love him for it. Once he becomes a free agent, then he doesn't owe it to a city. No free agent does. He owes it to himself to go play where he wants to play. And the and I think that's something that fans just really need to wrap their heads around. Like just because that's who was drafted, that that's where he was drafted, it doesn't mean that he owes you anything. In fact, he was drafted by Seattle. So yeah. the the fact that Oklahoma City fans are screaming about loyalty when they have the Seattle Sonics like that, I think, is always a bit of irony that they need to kind of like wrap their heads around as well. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. And, you know, it, it is a bit disappointing. Maybe this is kind of like a blanket thing that he's applying to a city where maybe the majority of people aren't like that. And it's always kind of, you know, a vocal minority is the one you really pay attention to. And, you know, even here in New Orleans, after Chris Paul wanted out and demanded a trade and got his trade, he came back to the city for numerous years in a row doing charity events and other things, raising money for schools that he was involved with here in New Orleans, even though he no longer played. And it's a really nice relationship to have. And it just, like I said, it just kind of sucks because of actions of people on, on Durant's side too, along with the city of Oklahoma, that it just, it's not going to end up that way. And he also continued on to talk about why he left the Warriors. And he said basically that it didn't fit in. Uh, he said that he felt accepted, but he also really kind of reiterated that he wasn't drafted there. He wasn't part of it. And he said, Quote, I started to realize I'm just different from the rest of the guys. It's not a bad thing, just my circumstances and how I came up in the league. And on top of that, the media always looked at it like KD and the Warriors. So it looked, it's like no one could get a full acceptance of me there. I'm sure there's plenty across the board and podcasts around America and the world bashing of Kevin Durant. But I, I almost feel like this makes him maybe more relatable than any other athlete that's out there. He's clearly, he's sensitive. He's, he's, he's paying attention to these things. And I, I felt like those guys were accepting of him. I mean, I don't know what he's looking for, but he's chasing something and he couldn't find it in OKC. He couldn't find it in Golden State. And, and aren't we all chasing something? And, and maybe not everybody, but like this anxiety, this feeling of like acceptance, I can relate to it. It's, I think there's, there's something there that makes him human in all of this. So, so I think you nailed it. And this is the most interesting aspect of it to me is one, you don't really see athletes be this vulnerable, this open and this real with people. There's kind of an aura about them. A lot of them kind of put on a facade because it's what they're supposed to be. They're big NBA players who make tons of money and they shouldn't be deeply unhappy, which is kind of how Kevin Durant comes off. He's looking for a place where he just, like you said, feels accepted, is comfortable and is happy, which is probably what everyone in some ha- capacity is looking 
looking for. You know, they did the recent thing where uh, uh, Adam Silver, I was going to call him David Silver, uh, Adam Silver said <laughs> he found a lot of the NBA players are just not happy people. It's uh, the bubble they're in, the environment they're in, it, it leads to all of it. And Kevin Durant is being very vulnerable and pulling down the facade and showing you why he's unhappy, which is something that's pretty rare. And so people are going to kind of bash him for this sort of stuff. You make millions of dollars. You won titles. Why? Yeah. How could anything make you unhappy? It's not necessarily just about that. It, 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 there's a bigger thing to it, and that's what you see with Kevin Durant. He's unhappy, and hopefully the Nets are maybe the team that does uh, do make him happy, and that's what he's looking for. I'm sure there. I can hear people as they're listening to this saying, "Come on, he's made thirty million dollars last year. He's, all of that stuff. But that that doesn't money doesn't necessarily give you that fulfillment. I know that all of us probably go when we are out. You, you buy a six pack. Uh, give me give me a Powerball ticket or something. You, and you hope for that fantasy of the money, and you think all of your problems are going to go away. But the reality is. It does open up new problems. It, you don't know who's real in your life anymore. You, you start to kind of insulate yourself from the outside world and you don't, you don't have that ability to just walk down the, the street. Uh, you, there are things that you take for granted. You and I take for granted. Like I came down to New Orleans. We went bar hopping. Nobody really bothered us. If Kevin Durant did that, people would be swarmed. He can't do that. Um, and that's just the trade-off is maybe acceptable for some people, but you know what? It's not. It's not the be-all, end-all. Like, hey, life is great. So, uh, I, I I'm not inside Durant's head, and and maybe some of it is a heightened sensitivity for whatever reason, whatever it was that in his childhood, in his adult life, whatever something makes him feel this way. Some of us can relate. Some of us can say, yeah, I get that totally. Some of you can't, but that doesn't make him wrong just because you don't see it. Yeah, so uh, we can end on this. By the way, the other day I was walking into my job and someone looked over at me and goes, Nola Jake, and I gave him a thumbs up across the street. So not to say I'm not a big deal here or I'm not exactly like Kevin Durant. Uh, um, I forgot where I was going to go with it, so I'm just going to leave that there. Hey, anybody wants to come up and say hi to me, I'm more than more than happy to say hello. So... Please uh, give me that little taste of the high life. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. A couple of things. Bradley Beal, like we said before, the, the Wizards swear they're not going to trade him. And then Serbia eliminated. What's this going to mean for Jokic and his legacy? We'll talk about that when we come up next on the Locked On NBA podcast. But first, be sure to tune in to Locked On NFL and the Locked On NFL Fantasy. NFL is back. First week was back. Lots of crazy things happening. Antonio Brown, he's a patriot. What? So go search for Locked On NFL or the Locked On of your favorite NFL team wherever podcasts exist. Once again, the Washington Wizards are swearing up and down. For real, do not talk to us about Bradley Beal. We're not going to trade him. New GM, Tommy Shepard, saying, quote, The way I look at this is pretty simple. If you're, if you were looking to build a team, Brad would be the type of player anyone would want to start with. Uh, and basically saying, and he's telling CBS Sports this, every other team would want him and we have him. 
Do you, Jake Madison, believe Tommy Shepard? Actually, yeah, I do. I, I do because they've given no indication, despite having to come out and say this all the time, because Bradley Beal is that superstar that every fan is trying to trade for to get him onto their team. It was Anthony Davis before this. They haven't given any indication that they want to move him and give him the way their ownership is and how he wants to get back into the playoffs, thinks they can get back into the playoffs. He might just say no, and you're not allowed to. We know their cap situation is a mess. John Wall's not going to play this year, and the 44 to like 50 million he's going to make at per season in the coming years is a huge albatross around the neck of this franchise. They just don't inspire me to believe that they would go that smart rebuild route rather than trying to just kind of, you know, piece this together in some sort of Frankenstein's monster on the fly, which they've been doing. You know, maybe if they made an outside hire, they didn't just confirm uh, Shepard as their GM who'd been under Grunveld for so long. And we know he's very different and he's kind of acted differently so far. But that doesn't mean that I actually believe they're going to stay, you know, be different going forward. So overall, like, yeah, I think they're going to keep him because this is a guy they want to have. He's a good player. And they're the Wizards. They're not going to do the right thing. <laughs> that All very, very valid points. I think they are trying very hard to get him to extend right now before he makes uh, an all-NBA team, before he's eligible for the Supermax. Which, which he won't and he shouldn't do. And right. He, he should not. And I think right now they're being very strong about we want Brad. We want to keep him. And it makes sense. Of course it makes sense. He's right that everybody wants a piece of Bradley Beal. I would love to trade for Bradley Beal for the, on the Boston Celtics. Most teams have a package that they would part with for Bradley Beal. So I get it. And getting him on an extension today would be fantastic for them. Bradley Beal is not going to sign that extension, and that's what's going to trigger a potential change in the tenor in Washington. Once Bradley Beal says, "Nah, I'm I'm going to let's pick this up next summer." Of course, he's putting himself at a little bit of an injury risk, especially if he continues to stupidly try to play 82 games. But I think once he says, "No, I'm not signing that extension." The Wizards have to look at themselves and say, can we have two Supermax guys if this guy is going out there and having a season? Maybe you wait till the trade deadline and you see what kind of season he's having in relation to everybody else, and you take that calculated risk and you say, if he's having an all-NBA type season, which he might on that team because he's going to be the only guy, then maybe you say, we can't, we're not going to pay him, we're just going to trade him now and get as much as we possibly can and just get this rebuild going. I mean, so you say they have to, it, it, it's, they should. I don't know if they, if they have to, no one can make them. And I certainly don't think they're <laughs> going to. It's, that's, that's kind of my take on it. Like, no, Jake, I, they have to. I was like, they should. They should at least certainly evaluate all the different things. They're not going to. I don't see them trading Bradley Beal, like, uh, unless he just goes, uh, you know, unless it's maybe an Anthony Davis situation where he says, I want out. You need to move me. I will not sign a Supermax even if I am eligible for it with you guys. Then, yes, they will move him. But until they hit that point, which is the nuclear option in all of this, I, I just don't see it happening. And that's why I believe him when he comes out and he says this. Well, we'll see. I, I don't know what they're doing. And obviously he's not Grunfeld and Grunfeld's 
in, in this whole mess of a front office, you know, you end up losing a guy like Sadoransky and, and, and that, that would have been a guy that you probably wanted to keep. So I can't make any sense of what this front office is doing. Meanwhile, Sadoransky is out there proving his worth in China yeah. as part of the Czech Republic. Czech Republic is trying to advance in the FIBA World Cup. Serbia is not advancing in the World Cup, which means Jokic is out. I would, this is, I mean, ridiculously, uh, surprising because the Serbian national team was favored. Now, people were betting more on Nikola Jokic and Serbia to beat the United States. Now they won't even face the United States. Argentina, by virtue of a 97-87 win, uh, on Tuesday morning in U.S. time, they are advancing to face either the United States or France, uh, which, by the way, plug, will be doing a special Locked On Live uh, post-game show after that game. It's me. It's David Locke. If you follow Locked On Live on Twitter, we broadcast live to our Periscope, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook channels all at the same time. So follow Locked On Live on Twitter for our post-game show on that. So, uh, Jake, if the U.S. had lost in that same fashion, they would get decimated. Just yeah. decimated. Do you think Jokic and maybe Serbia as a whole, but Jokic especially because he's the all-NBA guy and fringe MVP candidate, do you think he gets the same type of roasting for this? I, I mean, I don't know what's going on in Serbia, and I'm sure they're they're pretty disappo- disappointed in the team for all of it. I think we've seen some of these top-level guys struggle out there because FIBA is an entirely different style of play than what we're used to seeing in the NBA. Giannis wasn't able to dominate at all throughout this tournament to the level that we thought he would uh, be able to. He wasn't even particularly good throughout most of this tournament so far. So seeing Jokic go through these similar struggles, it doesn't really surprise me. I think this is definitely an upset. I think it's a big surprise, and he shouldn't be happy about it. But I think you're kind of seeing how this goes in these type of situations. I'll tell you where I do have some real criticism for Jokic. It's that it's getting booted from the game against France. It's continuing to let his emotions just dominate him and letting his frustrations go over the top. He was ejected, what, three times over the course of the NBA season, another ejection in, in the FIBA World Cup. It it starts to raise these questions about how much can you frustrate Jokic, and obviously all of his talent is, like, sublime. Like, I love watching him play basketball. He does amazing things. One of the best passing big men we've ever seen. Uh, I'm not going to say the best because I know Arvita Sabonis existed, but still, he's right there basically in that same class. But I was expecting, if Serbia had met the United States, for them to just throw big after big after big at him, and the, the game plan would be frustrate him because he's going to take himself out of the game. And if there's any one criticism and one thing he needs to work on is, he's got to get out of his own head. I, I think that's fair, and you know, I you hope it's just a learning experience for him. I, you know, I won't pretend to have watched him like that in depth on this, like you've been doing and doing those locked on lives after the games with David, which have been very useful to someone like me who's not paying as much attention <laughs> to all of that. And like Jokic has been good; he's what averaging uh, a little over twelve and a half points and over seven rebounds, along with four assists. Those are pretty good numbers for this tournament and for FIBA and how it's being played at a much slower, kind of grindier style of everything. 
anything. And you've got to wonder if Serbia in this game was able to shoot a little bit better. Maybe they win and we don't really have to have this conversation. But no, that's a good point. Getting out of his head and also if you want to take your game to the next level, whether it's the NBA or elsewhere, that's an important thing, kind of having that clarity with it. And we've seen guys who kind of get right in that aspect really do jump their careers up. Uh, you know, I want this guy to to kind of figure it out because I think he just gets flustered too easily. We'll see if he does, but this is not great for him, and this is, you know, this was Serbia's chance to go ahead and win gold, and it means a lot in countries outside of the U.S., so I'm very curious to see what kind of uh, blowback he gets. In the meantime, we will take a break and return with Ennis Cantor, former... WWE champion, not like the big champion, but he held the belt, and we'll talk about that and who else might in the NBA when we return on the Lockdown NBA podcast. Earlier in the week, Ennis Cantor showed up at Madison Square Garden, got into the ring. Uh, if you are not an NBA uh, and WWE uh, fan, he got into the ring with the 24-7 champion, R-Truth. The 24-7 champion is a champion who has to defend his belt at any moment, any time. That's the gimmick. So they've done things where he's on a golf course and somebody challenges him on the golf course. And blah, 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 blah. So Ennis Cantor goes up there. They do a thing. Ennis Cantor pins him. He knocks him down, pins him. And then while he's celebrating, R-Truth gets up, pins him again. And now Ennis Cantor was a champion for like, I don't know, 45 seconds. But he's still. He's still a champion. Doesn't matter how long. A champion. So... Whenever you address Ennis Cantor, it's Ennis Cantor, former WWE 24-7 champion, which is nice. I like that. Uh, we got to thinking, who would win if we just did, like, I got, I got two, two questions for you. We throw the entire NBA into a Royal Rumble style tournament somehow, where all 450 guys are all fighting each other. It's like, well, we'll make the ring the size of like, Brooklyn. It's 450 guys. Yeah, it probably needed to be. Like the size of a court, right? Yeah, like the whole thing. It's just a big, massive court. Uh, who would you say comes out on top of an NBA battle royal? Uh, okay, so that's tough, and I wasn't prepared for this question. Like, you kind of <laughs> jump to guys like, you know, le- like LeBron, maybe Giannis, and I'm trying to think like being too tall isn't probably a good thing for you in this because I feel like it's just easier to push you over the ropes. Now, I haven't watched wrestling in close to 20 years, but isn't that how it is? If you get thrown yeah, out of the ring, you lose in the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah. So being too tall is kind of an issue here because – your center of gravity isn't quite there, and it's probably easier to get you over the rope. So my initial reaction, and it's not a homerish pick, I, I swear, is maybe Zion. I, I you know you'd go that rope. Like I he's think. what, like six 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 seven? That's the right height to try and win this. The strength is there. Uh, maybe they're not kind of keying in on him as much because he's not one of the superstar players yet in the NBA. That's kind of my initial reaction. I I will say that I will get. Uh, an extraordinary amount of blowback 
if I don't suggest that one of Boston's own wins. Yeah, I mean, of course. You've got like a couple of guys you almost have to pick from that team. But you, I would have a hard time, regardless of what team I covered, picking against Marcus Smart, who is just a <laughs> It's maniac. like we knew you were going to go here. I mean, look, he's a maniac. He's 6'5", or so, 6'4". Um, so he's big enough. He's strong. He guards centers. He's out there. And we've seen he just he gets a little nuts out on the floor. Like, I have low center of gravity. I don't think he's going over that top rope. But I think he can, like, he'd be the type of guy. And also, he's he's like a, a gymnast. He does, like, the double hand spring flip things. So he can, like, get up there and drop kick a guy like Boban in the chest and send him flying over the top rope. I, I think Marcus Smart has a very strong case to come out on top. No, I, I, well, I knew you were going to go there with it. It makes some sense. I wonder if a guy like uh, David West in years past would have done uh, oh. pretty good in this because he's like a boxer, I think, on the side for fun. Like he kind of a very mean streaked guy too, I think. It, it, it's This one's a tough question, but there, there's a couple of directions you could go with it. I also want to do like tag teams. Like if you could put a tag, an NBA tag team together. So I, ha- I have two for you actually. Ooh, okay. So – uh, they're both still going to be a little bit homerish here, but we're going to start with the Holiday Brothers. Oh, you know, there's three yeah. of them in here, but it's going to be a tag team of Drew and Justin, his older brother, who uh-huh. I don't even know where he is anymore, um, being the two main guys because their younger brother, Aaron, who's on the Pacers, he's not quite there yet. He doesn't get onto the tag team, but he's the dude high Hiding under the ring that pops out <laughs> when the ref's distracted to jump in and make oh, a mess I of this. It. Come on. They're all it. three brothers. See, the other one I have is going to kind of tie into what they talked about yesterday and probably like the biggest news we've had this week. You've got to have the ninja style crew yep. of all of the guys who wore the ninja style headbands, Drew oh, Holiday, Jimmy Butler, so Mike like Scott, DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, they, yeah. It's, I like that idea. That's good. Like they, that's the group. Now it's not a tag team, but they can pick and choose for the tag team no. matches. But they're in this one like group together. It's like the NWO. That's their thing. Yes, they've exactly. Got, like, they've got the ninja style headbands, and it's like you pick any two of them, and they become the tag team. I like that. Yeah, those that's are the awesome. two that I've got. I love your idea about the brothers. Like we should have a wrestling. Like I want to set this up tomorrow of like the Plumleys against like the the Lopez twins would be my pick. Like. The two Lopez twins, how fun would they be as a tag team? Like, those guys would be great. Yeah, great. Like, they, and personality wise, yeah. they're, they're hilarious. Like, I, I would definitely go with that. Who else? There's another set of brothers in there. There's always like, uh, the Plumleys and there's the Hernan Gomez's, which is, oh, yeah, I think there's three of them. Yep, yep. Um, I'm missing one, but, uh, Zellers. That's what I was thinking of. The Zellers. Tyler oh, yeah. and Cody and yeah, those guys. I think we could have like a so, nice like. So they're the villains. <laughs> yeah. like everyone uh, hates them. They're the villains. Sure, sure. Uh, I I like this idea. I'm I'm going with the Lopez twins. I love your idea of the stable. My tag team. I'm sticking with Marcus Smart, but I'm taking I'm teaming him up with Montrez Harrell. The problem is that Montrez Harrell was in that ninja gang. I was gonna say he's team he's team ninja head right. So I I you you kind of stole my guy. But maybe Marcus, I gotta see if Marcus ever wore one of those things. He must have. In fact, I might have a picture of him. I do. I do have a picture of him 
at a an event. Live in the moment podcasting here. I'm thinking, I'm like going through, I'm like, I know I have a picture of Marcus Smart. I, there was an event earlier this year where Marcus Smart was at a camp and he showed up to talk to the media with one of those headbands on. So I'm going to count that. I'm going to count that as part of the crew. They just got even scarier then. Yeah, because he's, I'm, I'm like scrolling through my camera roll as we speak because I know I saw this. Um, okay, no, it was a bandana. It was a bandana that he tied around his head. Does he count? I'm sorry. He's got to try and steal Montrez Harrell from my guys here. Oh. Well, I, I will tell you this. Uh, you got Gordon Hayward because Gordon Hayward was at uh, a uh, This Is Why We Play event, and he wore one of those tie-back ninja-style things. So, And I'll tell you what. As much as I'm looking forward to Gordon Hayward playing this year, he is not going to make anybody's tag team any any tougher. So, <laughs> no, I don't think he's going to be on a group here. I'm gonna I'm gonna sabotage your your team there because all he's going to want to do, like if you want to play like WWE 2K or something, does that even exist? He's your guy, but I don't think he's getting in the ring and fighting anybody. <laughs> I don't care. No, I, I like the like the the original group. It's got a nice mix of like what you need, and yeah. so yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just I just want to see Montrez Harrell and Marcus Smart fight people. Like that would be that just that's fun. Put them in a ring and so, let them go nuts. When I was like breaking into doing like the sports blogging and writing for the uh, then Hornet site here in New Orleans that was getting like 200 views a day, and like you need to put up content and do this, I wrote a fake cage match <laughs> article about David West fighting Joel Prisbilla because they, they both did like martial arts in the off season. Wow. I like just literally made up a fight between them that was like a wrestling thing and posted it and it was probably one of the weirdest things I've like ever done. <laughs> <laughs> That's saying a lot because you've done yeah, Oh yeah, probably <laughs> but it was like, yeah, why not? This makes sense and it's fun and so that's my weird piece of NBA fan fiction. Who who won the match? I mean, David West was on the team, so come on. Yeah. Also, like, I'm picking David West in, like, most fights. I, that's a very fair point. That's exactly what you should be doing. <laughs> All right, I hope you've enjoyed this Wednesday podcast. Again, look forward to the special Locked On NBA. It's a Locked On Live. If you can't catch it live, we will put it on the podcast. It'll be a special Locked On NBA podcast as well. But if you are some, find yourself in a position after Team USA against France, you want to watch our immediate live post-game show, check out Locked On Live, and we have streaming on all of our live networks, Twitch, Facebook, uh, Periscope, YouTube Live. It's me, it's David Locke. We'll be doing that after the game. As always, thank you for listening to us. I am John Corrales. You can find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast, and you can find me on Twitter at NolaJake. That's the show. Hope you've enjoyed it. We'll see you next time here on the Locked On NBA podcast.